Our first reading for this morning is from Isaiah chapter 25. Long before Jesus came into this world to save sinful people, the prophet Isaiah looked into the future to the day that the Savior would come and defeat sin and death. The grace of God is pictured as a great banquet, a great celebration enjoyed by God's people who looked to him for salvation and were not disappointed. Isaiah 25. On this mountain, the Lord of armies will prepare for all peoples a banquet of rich food, a banquet of aged wines with the best cuts of meat and with the finest wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that covers all peoples, the burial cloth stretched over all nations. He has swallowed up death forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face. He will take away the shame of his people throughout the earth. For the Lord has spoken. On that day it will be said, look, here is your God. We waited for him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The word of the Lord. Our second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and we will have the privilege of considering these words in the sermon today. Look, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a moment, in the blink of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. But once this perishable body has put on imperishability, and this mortal body has put on immortality, then what is written will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Please stand. The Holy Gospel for this Easter morning is found in Luke chapter 24. With hearts that trust the angel's message, he is not here but has been raised. We listen to this portion of the Easter uh, account from Luke's gospel. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women went to the tomb, carrying the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. When they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothing. The women were terrified and bowed down with their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has been raised. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again? Then they remembered his words. When they returned from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Yet these words seemed to to them like nonsense, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over to look in, he saw only the strips of linen cloth. He went home, amazed at what had happened. The Gospel of the Lord. There you are sitting on a folding chair, 
listening to the last of your opponents, the only one standing between you and the Spelling Bee Championship. And they misspelled the word. And you're excited and a little nervous, but confident too. All you have to do is spell one more word correctly and the trophy and all the rights are yours. Orthography. O-R-T-H-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y. Orthography. You nailed it. Your arms fly into the air. You race around the gym taking a victory lap. Confetti fills the air and balloons, the happy old school sounds of Cool in the Gang celebration, pumps through the greatest stereo system a school has ever heard. Okay, well maybe that victory celebration was all in your head, but still, that's how you felt on the inside. Sweet victory. Now some of you would have spelled orthography with two F's at the end, but even though you can't spell, once upon a time, you killed it on the court or on the field. Or maybe you take great satisfaction in defeating the worst of enemies, your family, as you sit around the kitchen table and you lay down the last Uno card. You defeated cancer. That addiction, well, you're winning that battle every day and you've been doing that for a while. This is what victory looks like to us. On this Easter morning, we're talking about, <clears throat> about victory, but it's a win that, that doesn't really look like those kinds of victories because all of those you work for, you earn them. Today, we celebrate a victory that has been given to us even though we've done nothing to earn it. That's pretty unusual because what we know is that victories are earned. You don't receive them as gifts. This victory is a bit of a secret or a mystery, as it says here in 1 Corinthians. You and I can only come to know and understand and believe the victory that Easter brings if God reveals it to us. And today he does. Before we get into the mystery of our victory... First, we have to know about Christ's victory because Christ's victory preceded our victory and Christ's victory means your victory. On Easter, I don't have to ask you why we're here in church other than that we're always here on Sunday mornings in church. Even if church isn't that familiar to you, even if you don't think that your knowledge of the Bible is very good, you, along with everybody else here, know that Christians gather for worship on Easter to celebrate Jesus rising from death. We heard the Easter proclamation from the gospel today. He is not here, but he has been raised. A stone rolled away, an empty tomb, the message of the angels, victory. Death defeated, the grave beaten, victory. This is why we're here this morning. 
This is why we have all the special music and the singing and a breakfast and a concert and two entirely different services. Today, we literally pull out all the stops to celebrate Jesus rising from the dead. Christ's resurrection doesn't tell the whole story, though, any more than hearing the uh, final score of a baseball game tells you how that came to be. The backstory to Jesus' Easter morning victory is vital for us to know. If all we know is that Jesus died and then came back to life, that's simply information then we might just sit here and appreciate something seemingly impossible happening and say, well, that's cool. Or we could be happy for Jesus. He was dead, but now he's alive. Good for him. Then again, maybe we won't be that impressed. Well, he's God, so. Easter's about more than that. What preceded that day is directly involved in what happened on that Sunday morning, and it's vital to understanding Easter. I'd like to take a moment to back us up to Christmas. Christmas began Christ's long march to Easter victory. That march began when Jesus willingly came into this world, born to Mary, not simply a human being, but also true God, sinless from the start. What followed was 33 years of sinlessness, perfect obedience to God's law. That means 33 years of keeping every one of God's Ten Commandments and all of the other commands and the expectations that God's people lived under. 33 years, his entire life. No imperfect actions, no words offensive to God, no internal thoughts detected only by his heavenly Father and detestable to him. Perfection. How have you done this morning? Has it been... uh, a morning of perfection before God for you today? No dissatisfaction over what you have to wear out of all that you have to wear for this special day? No short temper with kids that just aren't behaving? No frustration with that person who almost made you late for Easter? No distractions, no selfish distractions that pull you away from the most important thing on the most important day. No errant thoughts while you're here in worship. No worrying about things going just right today. A morning of perfection? Likely not. Certainly none of us has ever known a single day of perfection, much less a lifetime. And that is damning for all of us. And that's just it. 
Jesus came and lived a sinless life because we can't. To save us from an eternal separation from God. The eternal salvation of sinful people required this life of perfection as a, as a payment, as a sacrifice for sin. After a life of complete obedience and telling people that he came into this world to do this out of love for them, Jesus met with rejection. Before Easter, the opposition of powerful people resulted in the awful events of Good Friday. The horrible torture of the innocent Jesus and the unjustified and unimaginably painful death on the cross. And most devastating of all, he suffered the hell of having his heavenly father turn away from him because he was loaded down with our sins. And then his body was taken by death and the grave grabbed it and put it on its shelf. But it was not final, as we know death and the grave to be. Death and the grave appeared to have won, but only for a few days. In the Apostle Paul's words before us today, you saw that he referred to something that we heard in the first reading this morning from Isaiah the prophet. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death and the grave swallow every person, removing them from the earth. They appeared to have done the same thing with Jesus. But he turned it around on death, and with his resurrection, he consumed it. I would imagine that some of you here this morning are part of the 11,500 people each year here in Arizona who have been stung by a scorpion. When that happened, the scorpion injected, injected venom into you, and it caused a lot of pain. Maybe shortness of breath, numbness and tingling, or maybe just the inability to move the body part, the sensation of electrical jolts, vomiting. Thousands of people are stung by scorpions every year, but it's rare for people to die from a scorpion sting. If you're careful, and if you're fortunate, you may never be stung by a scorpion. But death, death seems to sting everyone. It says here that the sting of death is sin. God's law judges all of us to be sinful before him. And sin then results in death. You know, if a scorpion stinger were to be removed, it would be a harmless thing. What if the stinger of sin could be removed? Then death would be a harmless thing. This is why Jesus came. The innocent Savior stepped in and took our sins on himself and took sin's stinger for us. And the cross brought his death as a result. Death appeared to be victorious on that Friday. 
and Saturday and into the earliest hours of Sunday. But Christ won the victory. He won the victory when he was raised to life and the grave clothes were left lying on the cold bench of the burial cave whose entombment stone was rolled away. This is the victory cry. Death is swallowed up in victory. There is no more sting to death, and the grave is not victorious. It wasn't for Jesus, and it won't be for us either. Christ's victory is your victory because he's given it to you. When Paul wrote, we will not all sleep, but we will be changed, he addressed a concern that some seem to have had regarding the day of resurrection, when Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead. We might even have the same question. The dead who trusted in Christ will be raised to life, they'll be resurrected too, but, but what about those who are still alive when he returns? What will happen to them? Paul explains that it doesn't really matter. What happens will be the same for those who are decomposing in the grave and for those who are living and breathing at that moment. All will be changed. Sin-affected bodies, both dead and alive, will be transformed. They'll be changed. They'll be perfected uh, to be fitting to live with a perfect, holy God for all eternity. I was looking in the fridge for some salsa the other day, and I found a jar, and it had some in it, but I wasn't sure how long it had been in there. We occasionally have things in there that look like science projects. Maybe you do too. So I looked for an expiration date. After that date, we know that all bets are off, right? I couldn't find one, so I tossed it out. You're not going to find an expiration date printed on any of us either. But we have one. We too are perishable, just like food is perishable. But Christ's resurrection declares that just as he rose in glory, those who trust in him will also rise, and they will be imperishable. In heaven, we won't go bad. There is no sin we cannot die, mortal here, immortal in heaven. And this change will happen in an instant, in the blink of an eye, when Judgment Day's last trumpet sounds. God declares that Christ's victory means your victory. Today, he invites you to look off into the future and see that victory that will be yours when Christ returns to judge the living and the dead. Now normally, we know it's not a good idea to count our chickens before they've hatched, right? Lots of things can happen to ruin what we believe will happen. But that can't happen with God. When God makes a promise, it is a done deal. The Lord promised Noah that it was going to rain. A lot. And it did. He promised Abraham that he was going to have a son, even though Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah were well beyond the years when they could have children. Turns out God was right. 
He promised the Israelites victories over all of their enemies and a promised land. It all happened. He made promises to his people throughout the centuries, and every single time, God made good on the promises. And about what is absolutely the most important thing ever, God has made you a promise that you can trust. He says that he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This promise of God tells us that all of our sins have been paid for. We are free from guilt. Death has been defeated. We are free from its threat. So we're set free now. We are set free to live for Jesus, the one who lived and died and rose for us. He was victorious over sin and death, and he credits his victory to us. Christ's victory is your victory. So on that resurrection day, what we say today will find its fulfillment. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Death and the sin that brings it about will be powerless. While we wait for that day, we live with joy and thanks to God for this amazing gift that we celebrate not just on, on Easter Day, but every single day as we look forward to our victory, our resurrection from the dead through Jesus Christ our Lord.